Welcome back to the Respect the Drive podcast. I'm your host, Edward, and we have not been doing this as regularly as I would like. However, it's the 4th of July weekend. I'm up in New Hampshire in a barn. Yes, I am literally in a barn sat above a 1984 911 Targa in what should be quiet enough. There may be a little bit of an echo, and for that, I apologize. But we're not in our normal studio. A Toyota Echo. I am sitting here with PTSRS, Will Lee, joining us back on the podcast. <laughs> and also, Maddox K., who you may or may not know from the old days of the channel when I drove across the country in a 97? Ni- yeah, 97, 97. 97 Miata. It was a 1.8 liter. From Boston to Los Angeles. He's a Los Angeles native. He looks a little Beverly Hills, but his taste is absolutely the Beverly Hillbillies. You like old, weird, cheap shit that runs really well. You've you've done well for yourself. Yeah. But before we get started, I want to send a big shout out to Garage 42 in Woburn, Massachusetts. Not only have they kept the rust off of my E39 M5 with their beautiful climate-controlled garage with superb security, so no one's going in there to steal it, they have introduced craft detailing of Dedham, Massachusetts, into the facility who has basically, out of, a, uh, out of love, paint-corrected my M5 because the swirls had swirls. And if you have not seen the reveal video on my YouTube channel with my E39 M5, you need to go look at the difference between how it was and how it is. So thank you to Craft Detailing at Garage 42 in Woburn, Massachusetts for completely transforming my M5, which is leaking oil like a sieve and eventually we'll need to go down to Wild Motorsport. That's in the next two weeks. That's happening in two weeks. And coming soon to a bringer trailer near you. Yeah. <laughs> I would feel so bad about that. I feel like if I if I if I if I had all this work done on the car and they're like, I mean like they did the work. They yeah. did like good work. You on really it. have to look at this before and after. <laughs> <laughs> It's so bad. It was literally a barn it's find. It, it's yeah. bad. It like it's bad. And you know what it is though? It's because my M5 sat under a cover outside for so long, like over winters and it's stuff. An undercover M5. Exactly. It was an undercover M5. Yeah. Nobody knew I had this car. This is like totally incognito. Polizzi. Polizzi. Yeah. And you know what it is? Is I think that's one of the reasons I bought that car. It was the old Alex Roy days. Oh, for sure. I mean, that was the cannibal. I thought car. it was for Madonna. Also that. Yeah. Yeah, Madonna. Who doesn't want to make Madonna wet her pants on the way to an awards dinner? What's really funny, though, is that when I saw so I did a video on the E39 M5 a long time ago, and I had mentioned that. I'm like, oh, everybody who bought this car, like, kind of secretly bought it because of that guy Richie video with Madonna. And all, like, the tough guys, the tough guys, those real big tough guys, they come out and they're like, I didn't buy this because Madonna. You're like, a, you know, I'm not going to, I shouldn't use foul language, but they're very mean and toxic. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what do you care? This is this thing. And I want to air grievances first. <sighs> and that video was basically, that was the pre-YouTube viral video. It was Guy I mean, Ritchie. All of, those, all of those BMW driver and heist films, all those videos from the early 2000s, that was genius I marketing. I thought it was Clive Owen, wasn't it? Oh, it was Clive, it was yeah. Clive Owen. Guy Ritchie was Madonna's No, actual, no, no. Clive uh, Owen was the star. Oh, Guy okay. Ritchie directed them oh most of yes. them not all of them but most of them okay yeah so that was like kind of a big deal mm-hmm. and it was really interesting because you had guy Ritchie directing madonna mm-hmm. with clive owen driving mm-hmm. um, or at least you know pseudo driving pretending to drive i'm sure he didn't do any driving there was mm-hmm. an excellent superb driving i don't know that clive owen's capable of that mm-hmm. uh, correct me if i'm wrong in the comments oh just kidding there's no comment section and i don't give a shit no which is my first grievance actually my only grievance um i you know as the youtube channel's grown a lot um I have gotten a lot more of like the YouTube hate 
uh, and it's not like a lot. It's a very it's single digit percentages. You know, it's like one percent of a com of comments are like really nasty. Subtle flex, but they are mean. Oh my god! And I, I don't. I, you know, Stradman James. Uh, he taught me many years ago. Um, he said, "The more hate you get, the more successful you are." It's like an indication of like you're making it. Right. And 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 I think I feel like that's the case right now. I feel well, like I'm on that. Yeah. I mean, it's a. It's a problem of volume. You know, if, if your volume of comments expands from 10 to 500 a day, there's naturally going to be some hate in that mixed with the fact that people who are in cells and who are unhappy about something in their Speaking life from or, experience. <laughs> thanks, Will. As Will cracks open an apple juice, the disses just get that much more real. Oh, Will, that apple juice sounded so crisp. Yeah, it's on my, but, on my fifth one. You know, it's mixed with the, the very true fact that people who are unhappy about something in their lives or people who just have some sort of insecurity, like to go out on the internet and air their grievances by tearing other people down when they're seeing success. So well, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, PTSRS, I feel like is reasonably wholesome. Like what do you have people coming at you on PTSRS? No, I, I've always kept it more or less as I'm the messenger. Yeah. So I end my posts always with what are your thoughts on this? Because I'm curious. <laughs> I'm always and afraid I'm sure to ask Porsche that is taking notes too on like what colors and what specs just are more received well than others. But no, there's there's not much negativity coming towards me, I would say. Will's so. like, no, I'm likable. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really relate with what you guys are saying. So I'm just kidding. No, I think really at, at this point, Porsche is just like, yeah, show me the fucking oh, money. Show me that fucking yeah, money. money. It's 992 GT3. Free public relations. No free pub. No free pub. Blue Chew, make your dick big. <laughs> Open them with my teeth. This is so bad. For anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, we 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 all are somewhat fans of Spike's Car Radio. And somehow we have all that was good. We've all just developed this really vile Zuckerman impression. And I don't think my Zuckerman impression is even an impression of Zuckerman. I think it's Maddox impersonating Zuckerman. For those of you who don't know, Zuckerman is a uh, he's a injury attorney, um, not associated with no Sel free pubs though. <laughs> Salino and Barnes injury actually, attorney. Yes. If you're Sorry. in the New York metro area, yeah, yeah. like our friend Will Lee yeah. just just moved to New York, yeah. it is that is an ad that you will hear 17 times a day. Would I feel like I might actually run someone over just because I was caught swerving a pothole <laughs> rather than me like, doing it out of hate or whatever. It was purely accidental. Like you're you're convicted of motor vehicle homicide because you were preserving a wheel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that sounds and like you an... have wheel and tire insurance, yeah, so you really still have don't. no excuse. <laughs> I'm sure that's been defended before. I'm yeah. sure someone's got up like, yo, I just bought this car. I did not have the wheel and tire package. If and... you hear this and you're an attorney, personal injury, write to us at respectthedrive.com. <laughs> that is not how you get in touch with me. But <laughs> <laughs> but if you, do if you would like to represent me for zero money and really, really bad publicity in a podcast... Drives at gmail.com. You will actually use the products like Blue Chew. Blue, we have, do you know how much Blue Chew we've eaten? We are hard as rocks right now. Yeah. It is brutal. And it's not because of the Porsches that's downstairs. No, it's 100% the Blue Chew. <laughs> <laughs> you can see the before and after on the Blue Chew. Okay, all right. 
So, we so give this, so, so much free pub for blue chew. This is really bad. I should. We have to. We know we need to do with this. We have to beep out every time we say blue chew. <laughs> Um, all right, so so this is the worst segue of all time. But so uh, we went to California together. Um, and Maddox was invited. He didn't come, uh, even though we we were like literally like Maddox. Here's I was a- on a work trip in Miami that week. I, I really know. had no out. I yeah. know, but it really would have been a great time to call out sick to get on a private jet and go to California with me and Will. Yeah. But anyway, we go out to California. We had a good time. You tell me, tell all right. So tell, give me your like rundown of what were your favorite parts of the trip. And then we can go from there. Because I think this this was like the ultimate vacation, which was really actually a work trip, but we had so much fun along the way. Yeah, I think definitely just California is a huge escape from the world that we live in, which is the Northeast. And I don't mean to you know, talk down on the Northeast at all, but just I've always liked vacationing in, in the West Coast, especially just driving down the PCH. That was that was really good. I know all the Californians are like, the PCH, that's nothing. I go to Malibu Country Mart, you know. <laughs> no, well, no, the Cal- Malibu Country Mart is on McCall. the PCH. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you call it, I have a question. Call it PCH. Yeah, ex- the, that's what I was going to say. The, See, I, was, be, I was trying no, to rile up the Californians. Yeah, they're all like, free, they're all like frantically typing and nobody. on them are the. Yeah, they're like, it's the 405, but it's just PCH. Name, highways with a name, just. Yeah. PCH. Crazy, crazy. And that was, yeah, that was definitely one. I mean, we took the Miami Blue Macan GTS through the Malibu Canyons as well. Courtesy of Porsche. Porsche. Thank you, Porsche. And yeah, that thing just boogied, right? We had fun. Yeah. That was yeah. a great car. Yeah. yeah. Like, we, we thrashed that car. Yeah. It was great. I think every time I drive a Macan, I come back saying, like, why isn't this just my first Porsche? Yeah, it's, it, it's well-rounded. It's fun. It's really probably the perfect one for me if I live in New York City. Because but. you should have bought a 981 Cayman and you still need to buy a 981 Cayman. Well, That's yeah. all right. So for, I mean, not that, how could you know this? I always talk to these, to my, to, to the, to the listeners as if they're like part of my daily like life. they're inside your head. Yeah, yeah. And I need to add context. So Will, so Will, Will currently drives a C43 uh, AMG. Real it's, AMG. It's a real AMG. It's not a C450. One man, one engine. Nah. <laughs> It's just a V6 twin turbo. So anyway, cars great. Men. Cars great, but obviously PTSRS wants a, a, a Porsche. What, you know, would you? Lo- I'm sure you'd love like a a, a Brewster Green GT3 Touring, but. I- I wouldn't want a Brewster Green GT3 Touring as my first Porsche. Okay. I think that's sort of like the the one that I want to aspire to. So we'll we'll yeah. want a nine eight one Cayman S, right? Yeah. Like that's like your thing. Tell that's me right. what your, but tell me tell me the the conundrum you're in right now with with the current market well yeah i mean i've been tracking the cayman market for the past few years and for a while the base cayman manual that i wanted with under thirty thousand miles you could find one in the high 30s maybe a really good condition one in low 40s but now you have to add about ten thousand dollars to that why why maddox <laughs> why is that so funny is that because you got your Porsche and i did maddox has had like three sips of a <laughs> beer and he's like <laughs> obliterated and he thinks he finds so- it genuinely funny that i just missed out on a portion no no i i don't i don't because we were will and i for a little while were yeah. in this race yeah. to see who could get it wasn't a, a race. 981 <laughs> came in first. Yeah. Mm. We really both had fallen in love with this car. You know, Will had loved it ever since 2014 when it came out. He was 
you know, were you interning at Chrysler at the time? Was that when you were, when you first fell in love with it or what was that moment for you? Giving up the pool of personal details. Well, for me, the first Porsche that I ever drove was a Macan Turbo, that FCA, when I interned there, they had just bought as a benchmark car for the Stelvio. So yeah, it was fully loaded. It even had the, the nicer audio and I was one of the first people to actually drive it. Uh, from FCA to to one of their big tracks for some you know test driving event and I that was my first Porsche that I was like wow this this thing just really handles well and all that but yeah I, I I've loved Porsches since then yeah my my story so maybe one thing about my story with Porsches is that I wasn't like a lifelong Porsche person yeah I I actually for a long while I looked at Porsche 911 and I thought why would anyone buy something that looks like that for that money? I agree. That's my story too. I I bought my, I mean, my Porsche was bought on a whim. Mm. My Porsche was bought without really any knowledge of the car. Like I knew a few (laughs) details. I was the same way. I I definitely was not a lifelong Porsche person. I didn't grow up with Porsches. I didn't grow up with anybody. I'd never been in one until mine. Well, maybe I'd been in one, but like I, yeah, I'd been in one. I'd been in a Targa, very similar to David's. It was an 87 though. And uh, I bought my car, and that was the first one I ever drove. Uh, and from there, it was like, oh, I get it. I'm obsessed. Then the more I drive, the more I'm like, this is so much. Everyone is different. And I think that's what's really cool about Porsches is that, uh, you know, they, they, they're so much bright. They all look the same. They're all completely different. Well, now I'm curious. Out of all the 911s you drove, what is the 911 that you felt most home at? That's a really good question. Um, so... I would say, I think 997 GT3 is like my home base, almost because it's a little scary, almost because it's a little, there's challenge involved. Like the stakes are actually relatively high. Mm. Uh, Whereas like you get into 991, whether it's, I mean, the fact that I can get into a GT2 RS and like redline to redline to redline, stand on the brakes, chuck it into a corner. And like, yeah, I'm leaving room on the table. I'm not going to go and say I'm driving 10, of course I'm not driving 10 tenths in a GT2 RS, but like, um, the fact that like I, I can get in that car and within 20 miles do an entire video, get used to the car and show you what it's like to drive is like mind blowing. Whereas like a 997, I felt like um, that car, I feel like I needed to learn a little bit, but as you learn it, the more rewarding it gets. And it's also a little bit of a challenge the whole time you're driving it. Whereas like for the most part, 991 and 992 drive like great Volkswagens at low speeds. They drive like, I mean, if you've driven a Mark 7 GTI, you kind of know what it's like to drive a 991 GT3 mm-hmm. <laughs> at like normal speeds around town, like steering weights up normally. It's easy. Then you get it up over 7,000 RPM and the whole world unleashes for you with the car. Uh, and obviously you get a vibe for like the suspension. And if you're in a RS, you, you know, get a nice healthy dose of downforce with it as well. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think I'm most at home in a 997, like, because it, yeah because it's not oh well and the other thing i love a 996 maddox is 996 so you bought this incredible 996 for i'm just going to release the the cat out of the bag around 12 grand somewhere in that ballpark 115 and this car while cosmetically the paint is a little rough whatever mechanically this thing is outrageously good and i've it, also put about five into it since i bought it but none of that was i mean it was brakes and tires and just consumables as well as kind of redoing some of the exhaust stuff so it was it was I, pretty much all there ims was done on yours right ims was oh, done yeah, clutch had been yeah, done yeah 
you know, the seat bolster on the driver's side looks like a T-Rex kind of took a swipe at it. <laughs> I but. didn't notice it though, because I, so we drove it together, me and Will, because yeah. we were at a car show and you said, why don't you take it out? Will's like, I want to go. So yeah. we jump in the car and I didn't even get out of the parking lot before I said, I want this. Yeah. It was great. And I've been with Tom in a bunch of cars. Tom doesn't say that often. Like he, he actually is able to maintain like a level head when he drives some of the nicest cars he'll just say oh this one you know it's nice but it's uh, it's just too this or too that or whatever yeah. but with this one you know with maddox not even being in the car so you weren't really even having to flatter maddox it's just like oh this this i want this it felt so good and the last time I, f- I think it feels better honestly even than um 997 carreras like I, I love a 997 Carrera. I've talked really highly of them. Like a base Carrera is fine. It's great. It still has an IMS bearing, even though it's 997. Uh, I just, I don't know, something about a 996. People people shit all over it because they don't like the Friday headlights. They don't like the steering wheel. They don't like the interior, which by the way, spoiler alert, the materials are identical in the 997. It's just a different shape. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just an aesthetic thing. It's form, function, whatever. But the reality is the car drives like a motherfucker. It's so good. A 911, thank you, Tom, by the way. I mean, it, it means a lot for you to say that because you've kind of driven everything under the sun. My taste in cars is very odd and quirky, and I really enjoy kind of some of the weirder stuff that you're driving. Well, uh, I'm curious, though, now, like, what, what are some of the quirky cars that you bought or maybe you were into? Yeah, so, I mean, I can I can quickly run through a couple of the cars that I've owned. I mean, my, I think it stems back to my parents had really weird car taste back when I was growing up. So I was around some interesting cars and my uncle really flourished that too. But my mom had an electric red 2001 540IT. So E39 wagon with the V8 had the 10 spoke wheels. I don't remember. Yeah, which they kind of look. They, they kind of look like Alpinas, almost like mm-hmm. if if there was yeah, as close as you can get to an Alpina spoked wheel is yeah, what this is. Ba- yeah, baby Alpina wheel, yeah. basically. And that car, I just remember, you know, merging onto the highway with the Steptronic transmission over in Sport. Just the torque of that. Um, I so I loved the German cars. You know, prior to that, she had a Prelude Si. 88 with the four-wheel steering and very quirky very strange a land rover discovery one which is one of the worst absolute vehicles ever made and you had to have one of those too and i had to have (laughs) so i was i was reading in in road and track today about how so many of your formative memories are captured in your neurons and in the myelin within or coating your neurons yeah and so i really you know, that struck a chord with me, the weird shit that you may experience in your early life and early adulthood even can influence what you like for the rest of your life. So my uncle was always into cars. He would show up the highlight of every Thanksgiving, every Christmas was going for a ride in whatever supercar he decided to show up in that day. He started letting me shift for him at an early age you just know, to we, give a background i mean you, you your uncle has a 550 marinello that was a schumacher car and it's a red interior black exterior it's like outrageous and it's a six-speed manual yeah i think i think they all were at 550s but it's got um leather a leather wrapped roll cage which i i don't know what's more italian than that 
No, no. And I, you know, that's a section of Italian cars that I haven't really, I haven't gotten into the nineties and early two thousands yet. So I've driven, I've driven like a 360 spider manual, but all of my Ferrari, and it was like for literally 10, like 10 minutes because the brakes were shot and I figured it out while I was driving it. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I got to bring this back. Um, so I brought it back. Uh, all, all four calipers were seized. <laughs> it was, it was entertaining. Yikes. Um, it was, it was awesome though. It was really fun to feel that V8, but like most of my Ferrari experience, thankfully through the bond group, I've gotten to drive like, uh, 1960s 70s 80s cars so you know the 330 gt 2 plus 2 the testarossa the 250 gtpf and then some oddball italian cars here and there so like i have a great appreciation for people who 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 don't just go for the newest latest and greatest and kind of like cultivate like your uncle seems to be someone who cultivated like a lovely collection of cars that he likes driving and then stuck with that yeah well what's interesting is he bought all these cars in period so he actually has a Testarossa as well. That was the first Ferrari I ever rode in before he got the Marinello. And that, I th he bought it, you know, must have been early 90s. Daily drove it for a while, got something else, and then that just stayed. But, I mean, you know, everything from, like, Impala SS of the late 90s. Oh, the Caprice-based? Yeah, the, yeah. The Caprice-based I was platform. two years old, but I certainly remember the I Caprice love that in. car. <laughs> Because it has the half, like the slightly, does that still have slightly covered rear wheels? No, no, it doesn't. No, I don't think it had the shrouds on those. I think there were some of that generation that did. Like, I just remember them all in that purple color. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it was it was the purple, the almost black purple. Yeah, and yeah, wow, it's good. And does he does he still have a lot of those cars, or are they? Did he just? No, Impala's gone. I never yeah. asked what happened to that one. Some mm -hmm. things are better left unasked. Easy yeah. trade. Yeah. But I mean, the E39 M5, that was the car that I learned to drive stick in. That's and such a Beverly Hills comment. Well, <laughs> this was, this, this was 20, this was 25th, 2014 when I was driving that car. I'm a little younger than you, yeah. Will, a couple years, but this is 2014, Weird so I flex, think all, okay. all the cops were wondering why this guy was driving an M3, M5 with faded paint, accidentally doing burnouts at stop signs and in parking lots. So. I feel like that would have been like a normal scene in Beverly Hills, though, is like some like, you know, good looking blonde kid driving around in like a fast car and just anywhere else in the world that would be out of place. And like, oh, we should probably look into this in Beverly Hills. They're like, that car's like five years old. Oh, it, was, it was too old and too too beat up. That's why it was suspicious. <laughs> um, all right, so but let's go back a little bit to California. Um, so we we had a lot of fun in that Macan GTS. Uh, mm -hmm. What were your like? It, obviously, it would have been better in like a nine eight one or a, you know the seven eighteen no, came I, in Boxster, I think but the Macan was great too, and I think yeah. it really did the job because so. We we also I mean you took it up to um, Good Vibes Breakfast Club with our good friend Jay Ryan and Nicole Ryan. Um, we met Magnus Great up there. People. That was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. That was a fun event. Yeah, it's just again stuff that you just don't see in our part of the country. Just on a Friday morning pe before going to work, they go up the canyons, and yeah, it's, it 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 really is just that good vibes. Just there's no pretentiousness at least from what I've noticed, people just show up there and they just 
they just talk. It's like a cars and coffee, essentially. What I'm fascinated by too is the way, the way you can have like genuine, like not car famous people, but real famous people at these events, like Malibu Kitchen, right? So we go to the the, the Malibu Kitchen Cars and Coffee at. Um, it's not a Cars and Coffee. I mean, you're right. It's not a Cars and Coffee. It just is somewhere where a bunch of people are gonna be, um, not an official sanctioned event, but it is. And the people that show up there, I mean, you'll have, you'll have, you'll have Spike Ferriston, you'll have Jay Leno, you'll have occasionally Jerry hey, Seinfeld. it's just me, Jay Leno. <sighs> just pulling in in a deuce and barring, it's a doozy. Uh, <laughs> that was my Hi Jay guys, Leno I'm in the 65 this week and uh, next week I'll be in the 72. <laughs> Jerry, you gotta, you gotta step down. <laughs> Oh my god, that's wonderful. Jay, you gotta drive this. You gotta drive this. What's wrong with your voice? What do you have for dinner? <laughs> right, so, so, so they're like real. I mean, they're not just famous for car people. They're famous for like real people. They're like actual celebrities. We have like car celebrities. Like you, I would consider you like. A, a, no, you're a minor car celebrity. No, you are. Ugh. You get spotted in New York. Like people are like, oh, I saw it. I saw the car. I saw the YL plate. Yeah, and they go nuts for it. That's still. It, it, it's not weird, but it's still crazy that that happens. But so. people are respectful of these guys. Like they come in, you'll have Spike and, 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 you know, all these guys, people don't swarm them. They, they kind of just understand like, this is a place and I'm part of it and I'm glad to be part of it. And it, everyone's contributing their piece and it's great. It's you know? a safe space in the truest definition of the word. You know, that word has been weaponized in so many ways, but it's truly a place where these guys can just be car guys. I mean, they you know, do, everyone there is a car guy. And of yeah. course you'll have hangers Gosh. on and people who want an autograph. And that's fine. That's, that's that. fine. But you know, I like, I remember talking to Jay when I was 15 years old about like carburetors and shit. Cause I didn't understand how carburetors well, work. Carburetor how does works. that, how does that, I, I want to know, like, do you walk up like, Hey Jay, I'm Maddox. How does a carburetor work? Well, <laughs> well let me tell you something. <laughs> well, so I think it's a 1919 Fiat. It's about 40 feet long. It's basically a fire truck. And the hood comes up on both sides on ladders, essentially. Right. The hood's yep. just... Like sort of like, air, up like airplane skirt, style. And you flip yeah. them up. And he was gesticulating at different things on the engine. I'm just like, hey, Jay, I am 15... I don't know how a carburetor works. I've never seen one. How, like, what can you... Sh- it was a quiet moment, and he genuinely spent like 10 minutes telling me and explaining to me and showing me with the float and the valve That's and all incredible. That, how a carburetor works. So Jay Leno, if you listen to this, thank you for explaining to me how a carburetor no, works. No, 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 no need to mention Every, every <laughs> also, time Also, we apologize for Will's impression of you. Every time I see a carburetor, I, I will remember that moment. That's like a really nice thing to have happened, to have Jay, you literally learned how carburetor worked from jay leno in person that's hilarious that's crazy another california flex right there. that is the most california weird flex, flex but okay. weird flex um so one of my favorite moments of the california trip so we all have a lot of friends out in california uh just from you know you know it's one of those things if you grew up in the east coast a good 20 25 percent of your friends are going to move out west and chances are they're going to be in the bay area or la so i mean i had a bunch of friends in la my old roommate michael who is just I, like he's like my 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 brother. I love this guy. Um, 
And he's somebody that every time I see him, it's like we're just picking up right where we left off and it just hits and it's fantastic. Um, he has a, an air-cooled 911, very similar to mine, a 915 gearbox though in an 86, 80, 86, it's an 86. Um, it's a coupe. He tracks the hell out of it and he's become a phenomenal driver. I'm very impressed with him. And we went up the crest and this is one of the few times where someone's like, hey, why don't you drive up the crest? And I was like, I don't know that I want you to see me drive your car because he, I've seen him do the craziest shit at like Chuck Walla, Willow Springs, Laguna Seca. Like he is like a hardened driver now. And his run groups are hilarious because he runs with this group of like outrageous supercar owners. So you'll see the pictures of him like lined up stage and it's all McLaren 600 LTs. There's like a Senna in the group, all these like, like hardcore fast supercars. And then him with his little like 200 horsepower air cooler. And he's out there running with these dudes. He's not beating them, but like he's he's confident out there and he's doing crazy shit and he's pushing this car to the limits. It's incredible. So I was pretty intimidated driving this car up the crest. Um, and also his third gear crunches a lot more than it used to. So I like the first two, three, I gave it a little crunch and I was like, oh fuck. And once that happens to me, it's just like, especially if I'm with the owner, I'm no longer, I'm, I'm suddenly not confident, like exploring it again can ruin your drive. Yeah. It ruins everything. So luckily like the crest is pretty much a third gear run. Like you could pretty much do the whole thing in third gear. So I did, I did, I just ran it in third. So that way I wasn't like destroying his gearbox. And like, if I'm alone, I'm much more comfortable being like, Oh, let me just do a couple two threes to figure it out. And then like, you find out like, Oh, it needs this delay or a little blip of the throttle or fuck it, double clutch it. And it'll be fine. Uh, even with him as like a very close friend, it's his car. So in my brain, I'm like, oh, if I do it again, he's going to cringe and I'm going to be like, I don't know. So I, I did drive up the hill and I felt like I wasn't pushing that hard. And he's like, Tom, that was insane. You were like going for it. But I didn't, I don't know. On the way down, when I saw him drive, he was going crazy. We did some video with that. And I was kind of like, oh, I guess I was going, like I was going those speeds as well. Um, but I don't know why. I just felt like I was being judged and I wasn't. It was actually like kind of, weird i didn't feel judged in any other situation i drove with you a bunch riding passenger in your own car is weird and things feel faster from the passenger seat sometimes because of the lack of control yeah i think that's what my girlfriend tells me too so <laughs> oh okay yeah. she's like will slow down is that a euphemism yeah no <laughs> that was oh quite literal yeah has she driven the c43 will no i've so far i've let only a couple of my car friends quote-unquote car friends drive it so but it's it's weird it's a form of being cuckolded is that the right way yeah, yeah i think so i because i i know that i'm not the greatest driver and i'm the first one to admit it well i feel like i have a lot more to learn and when i see people who are more experienced drive it and it gives me some joy yeah i get a kick out of it i will say though like you 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 say that a lot but I see that more as a form of being like humble and safe because I have been in a car with you driving and I've never, ever felt unsafe. There's people who would say the same thing. They'd say like, oh, I'm not the best driver, blah, blah, blah. And then I get in the car with them and I'm, I'm immediately regret it and I want to get out and I feel like my life is in danger. You've never done that to me. I've never gotten in a car with you and felt like, oh no, how am I going to tell him to please stop doing what he's doing? Like, Usually those people say, I'm a great driver. That's true. And they hike up their Adidas tracksuit. That's also true. But or their M uh M they their zip up their M, M performance M -town. times kit. M Town. Oh M Town <laughs> capsule. Hi apparel. guys, I'm Shmi. Hi guys. Um but like I, I I genuinely have never felt unsafe in a car with you. I've always felt like you you know how far you should push. 
Um, and like, yeah, it, it, it's just something that I'm not uncomfortable with. Well, being that gave me just enough confidence to, well, yeah, we'll start, you know, going a little crazy. Yeah, well, yeah. we can get you go. That's the thing. You, you, you absorb things very quickly, and I feel like you can figure out like what it is to drive fast and and where to push boundaries. I th- yeah, I think for me, it's just how I operate in life in general is whether something is worth it or not. And so, if something I know is gonna get me in danger, or, you know, put me in a bit of a weird, you know, sticky situation, then I just my brain just says not worth risk reward. Risk, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. And you know, I like everyone has pushed the boundary of risk reward, and a lot of people have been lucky. Most people are lucky enough to go too far without um, the consequence, but recognize that the consequence was like imminently close. Mm -hmm. Or have the consequence be something that's not life or death. What was it like for you, Maddox, growing up in Los Angeles where you have some of the most incredible canyon roads, some of the most dangerous canyon roads, and some of the most, um, let's say, confident drivers uh, egging you on or as a as a young person i mean how do you how do you drive out there without dying as a teenager i crashed my first car on the snake i was 17 in the wet crashed my first car on the snake going downhill just what car was it it was an audi a3 tdi it and... was my mom's car then it was my car um i actually did a one take with Matt Farah in that car where he exclaimed about how slow it was, but I felt good because he told me the chassis was set up decently. I, yeah, so I, I loved that car, put PSS's Bilstein coilovers on it and sticky tires. And I, that car was, you know, everything to me. It was my kind of escape pod and drive through the canyons every weekend. And one rainy Sunday with two friends in the car, I'm heading down. I pass turn nine, the gigantic um, hairpin where you see everyone crash in the YouTube videos because they're showboating. Yeah, and they go up into that wall. Right. Into, it, the, into the little trench and then boom, wall. Exactly. Exactly. They go into the wall or they understeer and hit the guardrail that's intended to keep them off the cliff or they cut the corner nearly hit an oncoming car and then fishtail their way off. So, And what did you do? I passed that turn without incident, feeling confident, come into the next turn, which has earned the nickname Bitch Ditch. Um, so, <laughs> so the next turn is a, a left-hander, mm-hmm. semi-hairpin, not really a hairpin. It's, <laughs> I think it's that's a, a decreasing radius. I think that's a pre-Me Too uh, corner. Also, name. I think they were just trying to find the word that rhymed with ditch. Yeah, I sorry, think that sorry, ladies. <laughs> that was just a uh, convenience of, 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 of language. Dylan, I apologize if you happen to listen to this. Mm. Um, and I came in a little bit hot. I think my friend actually, my friend Matt in the back actually said, you're a little hot. And the you're like, I end, thought I looked good today. The back, <laughs> the back end stepped out and the car just starts sliding towards a rock face and we're still doing 40 miles an hour at this point and i have i did not have time to panic i stepped on the gas i stepped on the gas with everything it had and the car managed to get the front wheels going claw itself out of the dirt just enough to strike with the rear passenger side quarter panel destroyed that destroyed the rear bumper, destroyed the hatch, destroyed the... Actually, it didn't hit the hatch. It destroyed the taillight. 
and tweaked the wheel and the rear control arm. Drove the car back up the hill and called AAA, but you know, friends were okay, no airbag deployment. That was really a humbling moment for me because I went through 16 and 17 thinking I was hot shit as a driver because my shitty little diesel Audi, it's not shitty, it was a great car. I was super lucky to have that car. I was super lucky to have a car and a license, but I was cocky because I could keep up with my friends in their 335Is and S4s in that car because I had balls and because I knew a little bit about taking a line through a corner, but I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't have humility in my driving. And if you'd asked me then, I would have said I was a great driver. And if you asked me now, seven years later, I'd say I'm an okay driver working on being better. It sounds like you figured out how to respect the drive. And then Dieselgate happened. And then he got thirty grand for his Audi. Yeah, ninety five thousand dollars later. <laughs> Dieselgate was Dieselgate was good to me. I've since made up any money that I saved through that, blowing it on stupid old cars and fixing them. But that's another story. Yeah, Tom, I was I was going to ask you earlier. Never having driven a Porsche before, having only ridden in one once. What was it that drew you specifically to an air-cooled 911? I, I know that Anton and his life were the genesis for that, but was it a car that he had? Was it a car that he always admired? Was it something that you just thought of when you thought of him? What was that? decision in that process like for you for context anton uh was my closest friend in my college years who uh, passed away by taking his own life so suicide never a great way to lose important in your important people in your life because it leaves you with a lot of shit and denial and anger and it's pretty it's pretty fucked up what you go through with that so one of the things that happened after he died was first I was cataloging all of like our conversations. And I think what happens when you lose somebody that close to you and you don't have good answers, like you can wrap your head around the fact that they're not there, but you can't wrap your head around the fact that you're not going to talk to them again. And so you start looking for significance and shit that just like doesn't exist. So one of the stages of grief I went through in the first week was just overanalyzing like everything I remembered that we ever talked about. And one of the things that he told me was I think the first time he ever drove a stick shift was in his uncle's 930 turbo. And he like just drove it up the driveway. Like there was a driveway, he drove it up the driveway, end of list. And so he always loved these old air coolers. Um, and we liked GT3s. Like we, and at the time, like we were really into like 996 GT3s. But he, I think, God, and I probably would have been like obsessive and known every detail, but like, you know, eventually you move on and eight years later or six years later, here we are. And it's like, I've blocked probably a lot of the shit that I went through then. Um, he, he was obsessed with these air coolers and I thought, oh, that is actually really cool. And that must be kind of like, like, why does he like these so much? And then I started watching videos of them like, oh, I get it. So literally within a week of his death, I bought this car. So he died on April 23rd. I bought the car in April. I don't remember what day it was, but like I have an April plate on that. Um, oh, and, sorry, March, sorry, were... March, March, March. He died on March 23rd and I have a March plate on the car. So like I, I went and bought that car literally like days after he died. 
And you were like sitting at a bar looking at Craigslist when you found this car. I was I was doing everything I could not to like like completely fucking lose myself. And so I and I I, I was inconsolable. I was so fucked. I've never been so fucked in my life. I didn't know my brain could switch like this. Like it was like a bad situation. Um, so I was sitting at a bar having which, which bar should we give them a plug? I was at Lulu's in Alston, Massachusetts, and uh, it's kind of like a like not, it's not a dive bar. It's like a nice good food. It's like a nice bar with like good greasy like um, uh, comfort food. Like if you want a fucking meatloaf, that's where you go. I love how you were squeezing your hands. Like what did you squeeze at this bar? I don't know. It's just like that mac and cheese, man. Yeah, okay. There's everything with texture. So anyway, like you want tater tots. That's where you get good tater tots. Mm-hmm. You get at Lulu's. So anyway, I'm sitting at Lulu's and I'm like alone at this bar. I'm looking on my phone and I see this ad on Craigslist for this 911, and I, I'm eating my meal. I'm drinking a beer and I'm realizing I'm like, oh shit, like I'm going to probably just drink way too much. I'm going to do some dumb shit. Like this is going to be bad. So I, I, I look, I'm, cr- I'm literally crying. Like this is how I'm openly crying in public. Like it was hard to even go to a grocery store. Like I cried in Trader Joe's and they gave me wine because they, <laughs> They had, they had like samples and the, the guy comes up to me and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm not okay. And I put my bags down and I, and I, and he gave me like a little like shooter of wine and I left. I didn't even buy the food. I just left. Giving alcohol to a depressed person. <laughs> Great strategy, Trader Joe's. All he did was do his job. He gave <laughs> a free sample. Cheers to Trader Joe's for like consoling a fucking crazy person in the grocery store with a fucking breakdown in it. But anyway, so that was like the level of insane that I was at the time or just like grief. And I looked at the, I, I was paying my check and the girl's looking at me and my eyes are water. I'm not like bawling in this bar, but I'm just like not doing well. And she's looking at me, She's like, you're all right. I'm like, I'm going to go buy this car. And I showed her. <laughs> And and I did. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah, she's like, what, what was her fuck? response? Was she, she into was, it or she not? She was really? like, good for you, honey, or something stupid. I don't know. It's like she didn't she give was a fuck. not having That's it. That's the thing is, you know, TV teaches you that if you're like having a rough fucking time, like the right people are going to step up and like help you and shit, like some fucking strangers. Get, I mean, at Trader Joe's, apparently they do. At a fucking bar, they don't. They're like, pay your tab and move on. Please buddy. leave. So anyway, I call the guy who's in Rhode Island and I went down there and I walk into this. Um, this like storage warehouse kind of looked like what old Ren Scott looked like. It was just like a, like a big, like, you know, a big roll up door with a nice big space in an office and a bathroom. Mm-hmm. He was playing the top gear Burma episode up on a TV. He had my car, a nine, nine, three cup car, a couple Corvettes and like a Jag or something like that. He had a few things. Um, and this is the one he was selling. And, you know, we went through the car. I, I, I looked up and down. I saw this ridiculous service manual for it and all this stuff. And uh, he, he took me for a short ride. And I was just terrified. And I was like, this is the most fucked up thing I've ever been in. This is, crazy. This is horrific. I have to have it. So I told him I'd buy it. And I came back like, I think, 24 hours later with a check and bought it. And that was that. Why was he selling it? Um... His wife hated it because it was, I mean, the car is like pretty extreme. Um, if you drive in David's car, go drive in Targa and then come and drive in my car, you will understand why like most people do not like my car. Like they, they don't want to be in it or like any, a normal person wouldn't want to be in my car. Um, it's, and I don't like doing highway miles in it because it fucking sucks because it has like negative three degrees of camber on the front. So it or negative two point eight. So it just tram lines. It's it's a car that you like want to chuck into a corner, drive on the track, and then really nothing else. And if you're not in that environment, it's not a great place to be. Well, we had a great time. I had one of the best rides of my life from 
Lars Anderson, which if you're not from Boston, is an auto museum that's basically just on the outside of this like downtown part of the city yeah it's right in brookline right right on the edge and we drove from there on some twisty back roads chasing a 997 gt3 actually if you'll remember the gt3 was chasing me that's that his dream right. was chasing him and when we got to the destination he said i could not keep up with you and the crazy thing was he's he's a good driver he's a nut too um the other crazy thing was that we were not on the good tires. We were on probably 13-year-old Fusions. Fusion Pro. Bad tires. Like bad, 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 bad tires. So now the car is like, it's so much grip. It's so ridiculous on the R888Rs. I'll probably throw some Nankangs on it soon. Uh, you can get those at Run, Scott. Um, but yeah, that, that, that car was like a big turning point for me um, for a lot of reasons. I think what happens, so to get a little personal, I think what happens to people in their like, mid to late 20s or sometimes early 30s a lot of us experience some sort of loss or devastation that upturns our perspective on things and that might be the loss of a parent a friend a divorce it could be like a lot of like fucked up shit that can happen you could have a child you could have a child that doesn't survive a birth like there's like really a lot of things that can happen to you in that time frame and it would be very unusual for you not to have lost a friend or something by the time you're 30 just because you probably know a lot of people by the time you're 30. And maybe that person's not close to you. Or, but there will be likely something that like uproots your life and changes your view on the world and what you want out of your life. Because suddenly life is not this like infinite thing. You recognize it's a finite resource and you need you need to own it. It's so stupid to put it all on a car, but that's what the car was the car a lot of things changed i mean i started a youtube channel i was way too insecure to start a youtube channel i don't want to listen to people talk shit about me all day in a comment section and i still i still don't but Did like porsche start that youtube channel you think kind of um i think it was something to film but the actually what really happened the reason i picked up a camera was because i had all this footage of anton and i loved that i could like at the time never go back and look at this now this is like insane to me um but right after he died like i just I was so in denial that he was gone that I needed to like keep these things fresh in my mind. So I like needed to see him smile. I needed to hear his voice. I needed to like hear him laugh and stuff. And I was like, oh no. And I started getting really paranoid that I was like, oh shit, like who's next? You know, like it's like fucking final destination. Like all my friends are going to die. And I was like, oh, I got to record them. I need their voices and their likenesses. I need to see them move. I don't just want photos of these people. So I started filming like, people at parties we'd go out to like drinks or whatever in boston or like i even have like a video of us like moving a couch into our apartment those were things that i needed because i thought oh well when he dies then i'll have these things of him too or her too um and then it changed from like this morbid sort of like uh like memory book of of video to I, I, I don't know why I was putting them on YouTube. I think that was the first time I started watching YouTube and recognized that there were like a thing called channels. And I started watching channels and I was like, oh, I bet I could do something like this. So I would film dumb stuff. It would be like the guy I was dating at the time was a pastry chef. So I'd like film him making a cake. Uh, me and my sister go on like a little adventure. I film that. Um, then it was like, oh, there's all these car YouTubers. I like cars. I have a couple cars. I could make some things like this. So I did. And then... It really wasn't until like after I quit my job recently, like in the last like year and a half that I kind of like locked in the format of being like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a very conversational POV review 
without being motor no without being John Davis of Motor Week Motor Week mailing to Owings Mills Maryland <laughs> Motor Boater Week <laughs> so we're like, taking out the 24 foot mastercraft on Motor Boater Week <laughs> so like instead of being like this really over the top rehearsed thing I was like well what if I just sat down and had a conversation with the viewer as if they were my buddy in the passenger seat and that's where I think viewership came from. That's when people were like, because here's the thing. Everyone wants to be a fucking vlogger. Everyone wants to get out there and just show their day. Turn the camera around. Yeah, right. And, 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 and that's fine if you already added value to society somewhere. Like if you had a following that you like, let's say you were some, like, let's say you're Larry Chen, right? Mm-hmm. If Larry Chen photo wants to start a vlog, he will get viewers because people want to see what his day in the life is like. They want to see how he takes a photo. They want to see how he I actually think he did start a channel. He probably did. He probably yeah. is doing it. No, he's doing it with um, like Hoonigan or one of those people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, let's, those are, those people added value already with their photos. Um, if you're an actor, you've added value by by being in a movie or a TV show. People think you're funny. Then you turn the camera around and people want to know what you're doing. But like an ordinary motherfucker who has never like done anything, and who cares? Like you could be interesting and fun. I mean, I guess like a bunch of like Gen Z guys who are like, I could do a backflip off of this house into a pool. Like they're adding value with that. But like for me to just like talk into a camera and tell you about something like, who is this guy? Who the fuck cares? Well, more so I think this person, this vlogger person is either daddy's money or someone who is just like Logan Paul, hate to name drop, but just like very committed to the bit in terms of doing, you know, let's fill my swimming pool with gummy bears right and do a bunch of stuff like that where maybe that's one minute of the vlog and the other 13 minutes is filler well honestly frankly i found myself when i would watch car reviews i couldn't stand another goddamn face i'm like look i already have carlos lago johnny lieberman nick murray chris harris henry catchpole like uh uh, like the guys from auto car and all this like there's so many people matt farah zach clapman all these people i'm like I don't want to look at another face. I'm so done. I don't have room for any more people in my life. I don't have like, and even on YouTube. And I'm like, well, what if I don't have to be another person in their show life? Show me the fucking show. steering wheel. Right. So I'm like, <laughs> why don't I just show something that they're not showing you? They're not showing you this. Oh, and by the way, other than Chris Amos, most POV content is like the worst driving I've ever seen in my life. Like bad driving. And also I think most of the POVs I mean, the winding road POVs that I grew up with, they were all just quiet, right? I mean, the whole point was like you get a feel for you just driving without any inter- d- distractions. And I mean, when you started talking in your you know, POVs, I think you got some comments from people who were like, like, why are you stop talking? Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Yeah, they, but, I still do. I yeah. still get that. With the Lexus LFA video, they're like, why don't you just shut up and let the car talk? Well... You know why? It's because when I shut up and let the car talk, you get 20% of the viewing time. Mm, It's a real thing. It's a fucking business case, guys. Like you get paid by viewing time. So if I didn't have to say a goddamn word or have anything insightful to say, don't you think I would just film back to back fucking videos silently so I didn't have to think? Like naturally, you're, you're, you're a good talker. Like that's something maybe not many people remind you but you you are able to just your continuous stream of thoughts actually makes sense so which blows my mind and also you can you you do it in a way that's not like 
very like i know everything and here let me drop the facts it's like you obviously share your experience of having driven other cars but also you're able to like, explain things in a very relatable digestible way and that's that's how I, i i enjoy like asking you the dumb questions because you're able to explain things in such a simple way so. i i i appreciate that and i think i think the thing about the cars i i don't care about specs like specs are very boring to me because i feel like anyone can go on wikipedia anyone can go on like you know car and driver and just look up like year make model what are the things what's a zero to 60 and i give very basic information i'll give you like a layout so is it front mid front mid uh rear engine whatever um I give you some engine specs, some, if there's anything special about an engine, I'll let you know what's going on. Like, you know, if we're, if we're in a four cam Ferrari, like, yeah, it's probably worth mentioning that. Or if you're in like a 365 Daytona, there are six two barrel carburetors. So there's two, two, two barrels for each, uh, well, well, that's interesting, Tom. Can you tell me how the carburetor works? <laughs> but like, that's what I don't well, want. Well, 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 well. <laughs> so I don't want to go into like like details that are like you can just read them. What I want to do though is I want to bring you into the car. I want it to be like I just picked you up from somewhere and you didn't know I was not bringing... creepy at all. Like like you like you're like hey pick me hey I need a ride and I pick you up in a 365 GTB4 yeah. cam and you're like holy shit what is this and I'm like well let me take you for a ride and you can experience it for yourself and I'll explain certain things. I want you to know all the things that you can't feel through video. So I'm going to tell I'm going to talk about all the things that you can't see, which means I'm going to talk about steering feel. I'm going to talk about clutch engagement. I'm going to talk about um, shifter gates and if they're easy to find or if that throttle is precise and accurate and 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 with a little just oh tap is it an intuitive rev match down into the gear? Is it crunchy? How do the brakes feel? Does that diff lock up a little bit? Do you feel that rear end squat? just a little bit as you roll into the throttle and Tom's and dancing right now yeah, to, I, to I am. demonstrate this is, the squat. This is the shit that I love. <laughs> and so those are the things that I want to bring to a viewer because look, as much as I love like an ASMR POV, I can't actually convey a lot of stuff to a viewer without talking. So for those people who are telling me to shut the fuck up, like go somewhere else, go get the content somewhere else. But guess what? You're not going to get the cards that I'm showing you because I don't see anybody else out there ripping on a DB4 Series 5. Not happening. Mm-hmm. Just not happening. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not, I, I love being able to showcase the cards that I'm able to showcase because of the networking and the connections and the jobs that I've picked up. Um, but it really is wild. Even, even like most, I mean, 99% of people are like, this is insane. Like, I can't believe I'm watching this. I can't believe I'm hearing this. I can't believe like this audio was so good. I can't believe I'm getting like information about this vehicle that maybe you've watched like 20 videos on. Everyone's watched like a hundred LFA videos. I don't think anyone actually knows what it's like to drive an LFA. I don't, I think because all the, all the, all the LFA videos I had ever seen, they were either just like, you know, car spotting where it's like, oh, it's a drive-by and you get a wham and you get the big high-pitched scream. Yamaha. Exactly. Or it's Top Gear style and you've got Jeremy Clarkson or Richard Hammond or whoever drove it just bum, 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 bum. And it's like that video was made across like four days. There's 10 drivers. The, you know, the, the, the person who's actually reviewing the car and telling you about it doesn't really didn't experience the things that they're telling you about because really like they are not great drivers like you know it's what what i think is hilarious is people will like well i saw jeremy clarkson drive and slide this car through it's like he didn't do that he didn't do that (laughs) he did not do that the slides were all test drivers why do you think you can't see their faces in those shots it's all test drivers and they're you know 
I just want to give people like a realistic interpretation of what it is to drive a car on a public road and enjoy it and in a respectable way. And that's where, the drive. yeah, I mean, people get mad at me for speed sometimes. They're like, oh my God, he's driving 106 miles per hour. I'm like, yeah, I'm driving 106 miles an hour on a three lane highway without a car in sight. And then when I did approach a car, I slowed down to 75. I think we're in a moment right now to take it back to what you just said maybe 60 seconds ago that's a rejection of spec culture and spec culture not meaning the ptsrs <laughs> oh, way this is gonna get heated. how you spec your car good with the grain you know we're gonna with, get a with fist, the silver wheels not bite. not that kind of spec that is alive and well spec culture meaning I need my car to go zero to 60 in 2.7 seconds, 891 horsepower. You know, the, the new Ferrari that was just in the new Dino that was just announced yeah. last week, 819 horsepower. Um, I think we're in a moment that's a little bit of a rejection of that with things like the rise in price of older analog cars, even road and track doing an issue fully on analog cars all these online publications and outlets and your success, which have all sort of celebrated these cars that on paper are nothing special, you know, would be outgunned by a Camry four cylinder, but they give you that fizz to put it as James May would, or they have something, you know, unique in their layout, in their construction, in the way that their engine functions. And we're realizing that we're probably 10 years away from full electrification and i don't i don't want to say full that's a controversial statement because we've got a lot of build out to do in terms of infrastructure no but i think we'll be in double digit percentages of cars on the road that are electric right now we're at three percent so i think we'll probably be at that 12 to 15 percent not long from now well canada sure. just announced that they're banning the sale of uh ice combustion cars. yeah ice yeah. cars by 2035 yeah 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 and and all these things you know Yes, you can roll them back, but as as bellwethers, they show the way the tide's turning. Agreed. And and I look, I'm not <laughs> I have a hard time with this because I like a good electric car. Like, Hell yeah. Like I think to me, honestly, like driving a, a relaxing, docile electric car is like so good. Like if I got to drive, quote, drive to work, you know, like I drive like fifty when I go to when I go to pick up these cars, I'm usually driving like fifty miles to go get them. Doing it at M3 sounds great because everyone's vision of what it's really like to drive these cars is like, oh, he's ripping around these mountain roads and he's redlining, redlining. I'm like, dude, no, my exposure is, I need to lessen my exposure. I drive like 72 miles per hour. I literally drive 72 miles per hour fucking everywhere. So anyone who thinks I'm a maniac, I'm like a grand, anyone who sees me on the highway is passing me. I've gotten waves. That is true. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't drive fast. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for being on. Thank you guys so much for listening, supporting the podcast and the YouTube channel through the Tedward Drives Patreon. Thank you to Garage42. Thank you to Craft Detailing and uh, everybody who makes these things possible. And Maddox, I don't know where you're getting the drugs you are imbibing, but I wish I had to believe. He's just like decked out on blue shoe. So don't forget to respect the drive and I'll, uh, I'll see you in the next one. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. <laughs>